0: From 99.9 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com.
1: Canes finally made a deal today. But are they done? Trade deadlines on Friday. They added another Finn. I'll give the Canes credit, man. They got a type. They definitely have a type. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi coming over from Edmonton. Edmonton looking to clear cap space. The Canes were a willing participant in a deal, and they essentially gave up nothing, a prospect that you've probably never heard of and you never will hear from this person <laughs> at any point. But, yeah, we'll we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, NHL, in about 15 minutes in regards to the Canes finally making a move while the rest of the Eastern Conference has been making big moves after big moves. Just saw the headline that Patrick Kane's deal with the New York Rangers finally happened. So, uh, I don't know the particulars of it yet. Just saw the headline that the much-rumored thing that was going to happen did happen. So, the Rangers have been doubling down
2: for this upcoming home stretch and the playoffs. Do we have a Finnish expert out there? We have to find I him. want to call shenanigans on Jesse. Oh, why? You don't think that's... What? Where is this hard J coming from? I don't anymore? know. I don't know. Are you, are you saying it's Jesse? It's got to be something. I don't know. That's got to be his Americanized nickname.
1: Well, I mean, he's, he's meet with the media. His parents Zoom. can't
2: possibly be Rick Springfield fans. Well, I'll
1: tell you what, uh, I'll, I'll drop by the home for Wayward Fins yeah. uh, on my way home. Actually, not because they're on their way on to, the, to the West yes, Coast anyway, they'll be gone so. for a minute. They'll be gone for a hot minute. So when they all come back, then maybe I'll go up the street and ask. I'm like, all right, dude, what's, what's the deal? Maybe they'll invite me in the sauna for once. No, they're not going to. Probably not. Speaking of home stretches,
2: don't look now, Joe. But your Carolina Tar Heels. I told you once you said the words it's a rap, it's over. How long ago did I say the that? The Phoenix would rise. How long
1: ago did I say that? I said it weeks. Was it ago. the weight game or
2: the state game? No, it was the weight game. No, it was even before the weight game. I said it was a rap.
1: I could find out. Oh, was
2: it or it might have been the Duke? Might have been, been the Duke. Cameron? It might have been the Duke. Because you saw them in person. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I've seen them in person a couple times already. My point is. I'm not sold on the Tar Heels yet, even after going on the road and beating Florida State in a very weird game. An incredibly weird game.
2: Pete Nance, once again, two games in a row now. Yeah. That is the most Carolina thing ever, by the way.
1: Two games at the end of February against teams that either, A, haven't been good all season, Florida State, or B... Waning right now in the case of Virginia. Let's see
2: what happens. Let's see what
1: happens when
2: they host Duke on Saturday. No, it's the most Carolina thing ever. Adam Lucas is already writing a book about the power (laughs) of lemon Oreos. I can feel it. I can feel it in my plums. I I feel it
1: in my plums.
2: Good for Pete Nance, man. Two games in a row has really stepped up and given UNC what they need. Leaky Black last night was really, really good too. Apparently,
1: we found out that Leaky Black is capable of emphatic dunks.
2: He was. He was doing more than that. I know, no, I, know I know Corey He's... Alexander was fired up over the one dunk. Oh, that saved the nah, Easy, Corey. But uh, uh, no, Leaky no, 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 scoring no. eighteen points saved the game no. because Armando Baycott one point. Armando Bacot well, Carolina Carolina won a game where their best player scored one point. That's actually impressive. Here's I don't care the... if Florida State's four bazillion in the in the uh. That's net. Fair.
1: No, that's fair. no, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna dispute that point. But I will say this about Leaky Black. If Leaky Black is your best three point shooter at this point in time, that's a problem. And it's not a knock on Leaky Black who can hit a three here and there. But here's been Carolina's issue all year. And I actually asked this question of a couple of people. Like, if Carolina just played and shot an average three-point percentage, like nothing off the charts yeah, hot like last Brady year. Not Brady Manic, molten hot. Not, not, not that. Not that yeah. lava. And and not, you know, what we've been seeing for the majority of the year. They just were middle of the road and average level replacement level three point shooting team. How do we talk about this season? It's totally different.
2: It's got to be three or four more wins.
1: Totally different. Totally different. Right. I still don't know if what we're seeing right now is sustainable. I still don't know if this Carolina team, as we saw last night in the Florida State win, gave away a lead. They don't do well with leads in the second half. That got back into single digits with about four minutes to go. And the reason why Corey Alexander was losing his mind over that dunk was because that dunk was needed. That dunk was needed to put it in the books because Florida State was making things interesting down the stretch. Yes. And even against Virginia on Saturday night at home after they shot lights out in the first half, they started out the second half on a 7-0 run. That game got, I think, within single digits at one point. And then, obviously, they won the game. But still... Carolina does this thing in the second half where they do not handle prosperity well, and that's going to bite them in the ass against a team like a better team like Duke or when they get a little bit further in the in the ACC tournament and maybe even the NCAA tournament. Because last night Joe Lenardi was in his bag at halftime talking about the Tar Heels. Like, hey, they beat Virginia on Saturday? It looks like they're going to be on their way to beating Florida State. And
2: Lenardi was still like,
1: eh, I don't know. It's still the first team out in my book. We'll see what happens on Saturday.
2: No, and that's another Q1 opportunity on Saturday. It is. And that's what it comes down to for North Carolina. Like Just like last year, they got to take care of business, the push to a wall, they took care of business. Mm-hmm. Now, unlike last year, you don't have this K magic bullet. No. Right? You beat the, you win the game in, in Durham, you retire, you beat Mike Krzyzewski in his final game at home, and that was a real rocket ship of confidence. But there's nothing stopping this team confidence wise, if Nance is going to play like he has the past two games. He was a net negative in the game in Durham. Yeah. He was a net negative in the game in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. They lost both of those games for, yeah. for, for for a reason. Well he was a net negative so we'll
1: see. in against Miami at home too. So there there have been a lot of these... Miami's
2: I think everybody was in there in fairness to him in the Miami game. Like I just think Miami's the best team in the league. Yeah. I just No there was there was a can't moment. knock me off that block. There right was now. there
1: was a moment where Pete Nance was blocking his own guys in the paint so like it was yeah. it was a weird game all around but speaking of nance all the credit he has gotten right he's been hitting some threes he's been the difference in these wins and he's talking about the chemistry for the tar heels going into the last week of the season
2: yeah i mean i think i think we feel really good uh, you know definitely knock on wood um but i think we're definitely feel like we're hitting on stride. um you know coming together as a team and Really, just making the plays that we need to make against good teams, um, and that's definitely that's definitely helping our helping our confidence out
1: a lot. So that's Pete Nance last night after the win against Florida State. Here's Hubert Davis on the team playing with confidence right now.
2: You know, as I said before, I'm so proud of these kids and just the response of them the entire season. You know, to lose a tough game at you know at NC State and then you know have to. This was a stretch where we played four games in eight days and three of them on the road. And for us in the last three games to come out with wins versus quality opponents like Notre Dame and Virginia and Florida State and two of them on the road, I'm very proud of them, and it should give them a lot of confidence.
1: So there's Hubert Davis on the confidence over the last three games. I am still in... Wait-and-see mode for the Tar Heels. I want to see how they play against Duke on Saturday. I want to see how they handle the ACC tournament in Greensboro because there's no givens for the Tar Heels right now in terms of the NCAA tournament. And let's say they do beat Duke and they get themselves on the right side of the bubble. Well, at that point, what kind of seed are you going to have? And that's another I, issue I, that can, can can be a problem when the NCAA
2: tournament comes around. I've seen this a lot. And that is? I could I could see them being in that 8-9 game. Sure. Scraping through it, Mm -hmm. one of those games where you just kind of you gotta grit your teeth. Yeah, I could see Purdue. I don't know how much you've been watching some of these other leagues, but obviously I I gamble and watch way too many of these other leagues. Yeah, I could whoever gets Purdue, who's a one. Mm -hmm. You're gonna you're to adjust your television when you when you see Purdue. You're you're gonna think it's. uh, the 1948 <laughs> Indiana <laughs> State Championship. You're gonna you're gonna wonder if, if Purdue has a segregated uh, hmm. roster, is what I you're see, gonna wonder. I see, I see. And, and I'm telling you right now, the big dude Edie, Zach Edie, yeah, Zach Edie. The second he gets in foul trouble, Purdue like runs around like they don't know what to do. Well, well, I don't and, know what it, happened. And and I don't know. Because the second he gets in foul trouble, yeah. Purdue. I don't care who it is. Whoever gets whoever draws the good straw mm-hmm. and gets Purdue in that 8-9 game yeah. is going to take Purdue down.
1: If one positive thing I will say. And uh, I will tell you how bracket Tar luck Heels. works, my friend. Not it is, might
2: be Duke. It might be it Duke, be. but Duke might have been playing them, playing themselves out on that 8-9 line.
1: All I know, all I know is that uh, Armando Baycott scored one point in that game, had foul trouble early and they still found a way to win. That's the positive yes. I'll take from the Tar Heels last night. Somebody watched Last of Us. Nacho Gilio. That was a great song. Yeah. Was that in it? Yeah. Man. Yeah, you're missing out on Last of Us. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are avoiding big deals like people are avoiding zombies in that show. Uh, and Greg Wachinski joining us now, ESPN, NHL on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Greg, what's going on, man?
0: Busy times. Busy times. It is. It is. The Hurricanes are uh, taking flyers on disappointing former fourth overall picks (laughs) while, you know, the New York Rangers are acquiring Patrick Kane, so... (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, so let's 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 go ahead and, and start there. The Eastern Conference uh, over the last week or two has been all right. I make a big move, okay, fine. I'm gonna make a big move, okay. Well, we <laughs> counter this with our big move, and the Carolina Hurricanes are sitting on ten million dollars in cap space because of Max Pacioretty's injury, and they devoid all of this stuff. Some of it is very much on brand with what Tom Dunn has been doing with the Hurricanes. But I don't know, Greg. I I, I kind of disagree with this. With this mindset, because if you've got a window and you think you can win a cup, I feel like you should double down on such things, and they didn't seem to do
0: that no you're absolutely right and and, and i don't I think that's what a lot of hurricane fans are are wondering right now, which is that they have a robust farm system, they have the picks um, go go harder at, at some of these guys I mean they were obviously in the mix until the very end on Timo Meyer. Um, there are other players. I like, think they've they've looked at. Uh, it's not their fault that Patrick Kane only wanted to be a Ranger. Yeah, so let's yeah. let's put that out there. Um, but be, beyond the the fact that you have this arms race in the Eastern Conference with every single team uh, that's in the mix to win the conference, seemingly having upgraded their roster within the last three weeks, you also, like you said, have a situation where the best laid plans for this year for the Hurricanes, i.e., acquiring. Max Pacioretty is one of those three veterans that was going to be able to get that critical goal in a playoff series they haven't been getting for the last few seasons. And then not having him meant you had to replace him. And, and they haven't done that yet. Still time, obviously, trade deadline is Friday, and there's still a lot of quality players out there that we're talking about, and probably a few that we aren't. Um, but the clock's ticking to trying to find that player that's going to be able to satisfy that need because it, it, it was a need. That it looked like they satisfied it, but injuries happen.
2: Greg Wyshynski joining us here on the OG and the Heister Automotive Group Hotline. That's Joe LVS. I'm Joe Julio. All right, just historically speaking, Greg, how many times does a team make a big move at the deadline and that pays off with winning the Stanley Cup?
0: So it doesn't always happen, <laughs> but there's a difference between teams being aggressive and making a huge trade at the deadline and and teams that don't dabble in the deadline. And I think that you can look at recent examples. Um, the Car- the, Car- the Colorado Avalanche being one who made some moves, including Josh Manson, which was a pretty high profile move at the deadline last year, um, and then won the cup. Tampa Bay, in their back-to-back cup winning seasons, you can directly look at their action at the trade deadline, going in and getting Blake Coleman, getting Barclay Goudreau. Um, and then, you know, subsequently last year, going really big to get Brandon Hagel who helped them get back to the cup final. They didn't win, but this season he looks like every bit the smart acquisition that, that they thought he was last, last deadline. And so I think there's enough examples of teams being aggressive and improving themselves at the deadline that you can say that those that do so fare pretty well in the postseason. But as far as teams that took massive swings and, and it paid off, I mean, There's a reason why you can count on one hand the number of teams that did. I mean, like the Pittsburgh Penguins acquiring Ron Francis, for example, and that's like (laughs) an example from like 30 years ago. So you're right. I mean, there aren't a lot of teams that that go and make the Patrick Kane move or the Timo Meyer move and win the Cup, but um, there are plenty and plenty and plenty of examples of teams that made significant upgrades at the deadline and then ended up playing for the Cup or winning it.
2: Uh, Do you think Patrick Kane still has a lot of jam left? I feel like he's past his expiration date, but I—I I mean, I don't—I don't follow you know Chicago, the Blackhawks close enough to know.
0: Well, I mean, he's past his expiration date, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a lot to offer. I mean, mm-hmm. the two things I'll say about Kane this year: are, one, it's hard to really gauge exactly what this season looks like if he's more properly motivated. Right. Um, we saw him properly motivated for four games before the trade deadline, and he had ten points and, and seven <laughs> goals. Right? Okay, so I mean, like. There's a little bit of evidence there that putting him, putting him in a different situation might yield better results. He's also been battling a chronic hip issue, and, and that was one of the reasons why the Rangers didn't trade for him earlier and went for Vladimir Tarasenko instead. And it's been fascinating to see how things have changed. I mean, obviously, when a player has a no-move clause, he says, I only want to play for one team, the price in that player drops. Um, when, he, when he has the games that he had before the deadline, maybe some of your, of your concerns about his hip dissipate but from what i've been told by multiple sources the biggest reason patrick kane is a ranger right now is because their owner james dolan heard patrick kane wanted to be a ranger <laughs> and said hey that's a really famous hockey player I like let's guy. go get that guy okay yeah so even even if the rangers thought they were done after getting Terry yeah. Sanko they reengaged on on kane with chicago and 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 made it work for i mean a very minimal cost i mean like a conditional second rounder that becomes a first rounder if they make the conference final or some such and then a fourth rounder. I mean, it's a tremendously great trade for the Rangers. And the other other thing I'll say there is that I, I saw someone make the example of Phil Kessel going to the Penguins where everybody thought Kessel was, was cooked or whatever with Toronto. He goes to the Penguins and lights it up. Just putting a guy in a different situation, a different structure could make all the can difference.
2: Can change, can tweak it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I think the Rangers made the best moves because you mentioned the price they pay for Kane. They, they paid, um, it seemed to me, minimal for Tarashenko as well.
0: Yeah, they did, and and so, you know, you take a look at that roster, and you wonder if if maybe there there should have been a little bit more attention paid to adding to the blue line. Um, you know, our our two top right wings are redundancy. I don't know, but I mean, you look at their forward group right now, and the idea that their top six includes Tarasenko, Kane, Panarin, Spanajad, you know, uh, Kreider, Trocheck. I mean, that's that's as good as you're going to find in the uh, the Eastern Conference, insofar as. Offensive pop in your top six, and then they've got obviously got a lot of really solid players down the lineup, and Heedle and Lafreniere and players like that too. So they're they're really they're really loaded, and and I think the Kane move just is one you had to make if you can get him at that price.
1: Greg Washinski joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. He's with ESPN. The Carolina Hurricanes did make a move today. Uh, they're bringing on Jesse Puljari from the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton looking to get you know free up some space. Uh, the Canes essentially gave up nothing, uh, and I Six, guess 6'4", two hundred pounds a big kid. He's, he's a big kid, and he's going to hang out with some other Finns. Uh, he'll have some sauna time at Sebastian Ajo's house. I know they were teammates <laughs> uh, at one point. So, who who is Jesse Puliyarvi? Well, he's a disappointment. <laughs> <What> he <is. laughs> but but and, this tra- uh, this tracks with Dundon trying to find market <laughs> inefficiencies and then making it work for him. You know,
0: sure, and and and, and listen, I mean. The bottom line for an Oiler, for the Oilers fans today is that this is what they dreaded. They dreaded there being a team that's smart, that has a great, shrewd front office, acquiring R V and then eventually him blossoming into the player that he was supposed to be, having been drafted so high. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure more than a few of them shuddered when they saw a team that has made moves in the past where oh, by the way, Tarot, Taravina became what he became, and oh, by the way, Nino Nito-Rider became what he became. And I mean, they've, they've done this before, both in big moves and small moves of targeting players they think can really excel, and then they do excel within that system. The problem with Poli-Arvi, in my opinion, is one of development. I think the the Oilers really screwed him up. Mm-hmm. I think they, they messed up his confidence. I think they messed up his execution. Um, he's a player that when you see his underlying numbers, he drives play in a way that makes total sense insofar far as the hurricanes wanting to acquire him he just he's his finishing is terrible like mm. he, he's just a guy that can't score goals his career shooting percentage is under 9% i mean if they can fix that they'll have themselves a player <laughs> and obviously like you said for the prof, that, fin prospect in finland that's you got to you got to make that move every time
1: yeah yeah i guess they can watch uh, they can all watch heavy sorus the Finnish, costumed dinosaur rock band. Okay,
2: no, he's born, born in Sweden, but he his nationality is Finnish. I'm, yeah, I'm Swedish confuzzled.
1: born, Swedish born Finnish player who was a teammate with IO. So okay,
0: just add right.
1: It's like Pokemon. Got to got to got to catch them all.
0: And the irony is he can't finish. So
1: which that's yeah,
0: the, 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 that's yeah, the yeah, Sweden. Them. That <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Greg Waschitsky, ESPN NHL. Greg, we appreciate the time, man. I know it's been a busy week with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, we will talk to you later.
0: Anytime. Thanks sir.